Welcome to the Lever Innovation Summit 2021. You just got through speaking on innovation and technology. Uh, one of the things I noticed that you gave um, five building blocks to innovation. Right. So um, why is that important to you? And why did you think that was important to share with this group here in Berkshire County? Sure. So, so Leverett asked me to speak about innovation inside of an ongoing company, right? So we often think about innovation as something startups do. Mm -hmm. But in reality, uh, uh, every enterprise, whether you're a startup or somebody who's been in business for 100 years, if you're not innovating, you're not advancing, right? You're not improving your business. And so what, what I talked about was that for innovation to exceed, at least in my view, for innovation to, to work in an existing company, it had to be integrated. And what I meant by that was you, you, you have to have a strategy for innovation. You got to figure out how am I going to organize around that strategy? Who, who's going to lead it? Who's going to own it? Because in existing companies, who owns the outcome is crucial. And then once you got those things right, oftentimes staffing issues kind of take care of themselves because if you've got the right owner, they're executing on a strategy that everybody's agreed to, that makes sure you have the right people and the right number of people on the project. And then lastly, to, or the last two blocks of, of building blocks in an existing company is to make sure you have metrics that measure success, but probably as important, particularly when you're dealing with innovation what failure looks like, right? Because making sure you keep score because oftentimes you can start a project to innovate and wake up 12 or 18 months later and it's like, what happened? <laughs> and then lastly, what everybody thinks about is innovation. So, so what I call tools or other people would think about as new practices, new processes, new technology, that that's, those are the, 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 activities that you do or the new ways of doing business that you create so that you can improve your metrics with the right people, organize the right way against a strategy that everybody's agreed to. And it's that integration up and down that increases the likelihood of success for a company who's trying to innovate. So you guys have been, that kind of issue has been around how long and how long have you been CEO? And, and let's kind of go back and educate the viewer about who you are, your company, how many employees. Yeah. So I joined the company in 1993, so a little over 28 years ago. The uh, company was about $137 million in revenue at the time. Uh, I became president in 1990, August of 1996 and CEO in March of 1999. So for public company CEOs, uh, I've survived longer than most. Wow, yeah. And, uh, and today the business is, uh, you know, call it a little north of $3 billion in revenue. Yeah. And like 1400 employees, oh, right? 14,000, 14,000 14, employees. Okay. I'm like amazed by that. And you, um, so, cause when you talk about innovation, like, well, and how do you move your company in terms of company culture? Is it part of educating, hiring the right staff? You know, what What did you do to really infuse that culture of innovation into into DICOM Industries? Well, you, you, leadership's got to live the values, right? So you got to be interested in innovation. You got to be willing to resource opportunities to innovate, right? So you, you can talk the talk, but unless you've got budget, it's hard to get something done in an existing uh, company. And then, you know, it goes back to that old Jim Collins saying, first who, then what? Make sure you have the right people. 
the right people in the right culture um, will will make a leader's job easy. Yeah, you know, and, and I agree um, because, you know, we talk about cultures. It's about really a set of values and beliefs that you instill in the organization, you know. And uh, one of the things that I think uh, I thought that was really interesting that you said today that hit me is that you, you don't allow your customers to lead the conversational innovation, but they inform you on innovation, something like that. And I wanted to, you to, I wanted you to, to say it exactly how you said it. And then, um, prescribe that because sometimes people think about it differently. You know, you look at Apple and it's like, Hey, you know, if we make it, they're going to buy it. Right. But in your situation, it might, you, you have a different philosophy or an additional philosophy to that. Yeah. I, look, I, I think you always got to pay attention to the market. Right. So you pay attention to your customers, you pay attention to your competitors, you see what's working and what isn't. But for, for real innovation to kind of step ahead of the marketplace, what you, what, what I believe is that you, you understand your customers incredibly well. You talk to your customers all the time. You understand what's important to them. So that's the informed part. But then you say they may only be looking 12 or 18 months ahead but I'm thinking about three to five years ahead. And in order for that, I I've got to actually have my own view on what's going to be successful. I work for big customers, but every once in a while they change their minds for a period of time. But if I have a long-term view of what's going to be good for their business and make sure that we're in front of that and I get it right, there's a lot more value to that than just kind of following their lead. Yeah. So how do you communicate that kind of strategy? to all your community stakeholders. Like you're a public company, you have your employees you got to talk to, you have your upper management, and then you have your end users as your, your customers. Like how, how, what is the, what kind of leadership communication does that take? So, you know, and what has been, what has proven successful for you? So, so again, I think it gets, it gets back to getting the right people in place. So, so that you're commuting, you're, you're communicating with people who are receptive to the message. It's having a long-term track record of being able to execute against that vision that you have inside the company. Uh, but there, there's that old, I think it's an old Chinese saying that said, um, that, that the best leader is one who the followers say we did it ourselves. Right. And so, so this kind of, uh, you know, CEO as, as visionary, cause very few people are going to be Steve jobs or, or Bill Gates. I mean, that's one model, but I think the real model is to have more of a servant leadership model, articulate the values, live the values, be consistent in the communication of what's important, not just in what you say, but in the decisions that you make. Absolutely. A lot of times people talk about like empathy and I know Gary Vaynerchuk talks about like, how can leaders be more empathetic to their employees, to community stakeholders? How do you, as a CEO of a public company, kind of employ that in, in, in your culture? Sure. I, I think ultimately, right, you, you, you want to be able to understand whatever you're trying to accomplish if you're in another person's shoes, right? So be in their perspective. And, you know, in our business, part of that, as I talked about, was that I grew up in the industry. And so I actually did the work you know, in the field. So I can and supervise folks in the field. And so you, you have an appreciation of the challenges. You know, sometimes I'll start a call that says, 
I know I've been sitting in an office for a long time, but in the real world, how does this really work, right? So, so being that goes back to another core value uh, of innovation, which is really curiosity. You know, don't you know? Oftentimes, you get as you as you advance in your career, higher up in an organization. If you're not careful, the quality of the information you receive is always filtered, and you always got to be asking, you know, how does this really work? What's really going on? Don't tell me what you expect me to like. Tell me what's going on. I need to know the truth. So, and and that builds trust because people who know that you've actually did all the work and you started, you worked through the company to become CEO, they can also see themselves in your shoes, right? That's. Yeah, absolutely. You want, you, you know, we have lots of folks that have advanced, uh, it, you know, to levels in their career. They maybe never would have anticipated when they got started, just like me. And, you know, I think that gives them great comfort that if they dedicate their lives to, to being of service to the company and its customers, that, that the company will be good for them, uh, to make a career with. Wow. So the slogan to the lever summit or the theme is innovating how we innovate. And I always thought about that. I was like, wow, that's a really interesting kind of slogan. Um, so how are you looking at it as Dicom Industries is moving forward in the 21st century and kind of some of your next steps? How are you innovating on how you innovate and how are you seeing that for you guys as next move in the 21st century? Yeah, look, we, we provide labor services to our customers. We have, you know, tens of thousands of people working out in the field every day for customers. And, and it, what's interesting about our business is as we're building networks, both wired and wireless, uh, wireless networks, you know, we're beginning to apply, apply some of the capabilities enabled by what we're installing it, it, to make us better at how we deliver the service of installing that same equipment, right? So there are things you can do now uh, with wireless technologies to have visibility uh, in the way um, field technicians are, are performing their work so that you can improve quality and improve productivity. As they're installing the technology, you're taking advantage of to improve the uh, improve their performance. So, kind of eating our e eating what we're cooking uh, is uh, is first and foremost what we're doing. I like that as an anecdote, man. That's that's really sound and wise advice. Um, I, I asked you a question about supplier diversity and minority contracting, and um, and also you know diversity, equity, inclusion, and how do you approach that in a company? that is, you know, 14,000 strong and, you know, with COVID and as, you know, I think there was a heightened consciousness about some of the racial disparities that exist within our country. How, how are you as a company or how you and your company are approaching that in new and innovative ways? What insights have you gained and how have you made some adjustments to kind of like your organizational structure to address those? You know, it's interesting in terms of, of supplier diversity, that's been something that's been very important to us and our customers for a long period of time um, because we work for very large enterprises that have been focused in this area. Uh, I think it's something that we probably have always been sensitive to, but you're, you're never done, right? It's one of those things you're never, you're never finished. Uh, you know, for one year for one of our major customers, this was several years ago. I mean, we, we won uh, their supplier diversity uh, award for the year. And this is a, you know, a global company. Uh, so we've always focused on those things. As I said, there are some challenges around getting certifications and those things so that you get full credit for what you're doing. But some things in life you don't do just for credit, right? You do because they're right. 
and, you know, having a diverse supplier base has always been good for our business. Uh, you know, in terms of how we're thinking through our, uh, uh, you know, issues of, of diversity and, and inclusion, it, it's something that we're working through. I mean, I, I don't have all the answers. I'm still looking for people to, to figure this out. I think there are some ways that, that I've, that I've seen some of my customers do that, you know, I'm, I'm finding a little bit challenging, but you know, it, it, we, we had one session on, uh, on, uh, on leadership. And we talked about Jim Collins principles of a level five leader who was humble and ambitious, not for themselves, but for the company. And I turned around to the group and, you know, it was a bunch of, uh, our HR folks. And I said, you know, if we could only teach people to be level five leaders, I think, and, 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 and ambitious for the company and not for themselves. I wonder how many of these problems that we're having would it's all go away, sense. right? Yeah. yeah. That, that, you know, that to see people as people and have empathy for where they're coming from and, and you know, I, we're, we're a great business because we have a lot of entry level positions. And so we have lots of folks, um, you know, who just come to work cause they need a job and 30 years later, a vice president in some business and, you know, providing that kind of social mobility is something that we're also spending you know, lots of time, you know, it's a training issue, it's an education issue. And then it's, you know, again, it's that empathy issue. Um, you know, why would you ever speak to somebody you work with that way? Right. And it's just, just crazy. Yeah. So, well, first of all, thank you for that. And I, 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 I'm always asking that question because I think it's a real opportunity for us to kind of learn from one another and like other CEOs and what are people doing and how are they innovating around that? Uh, cause it's a challenge and we're trying to overcome that challenge based on a changing demographic. Um, what my last question is we live in a small community, you know, the Berkshire County is small. Um, so what is it that you think can speak to smaller communities who are really trying to embrace innovation who may not be as welcoming to it or what can what kind of philosophies or sort of values or any kind of wisdom you can impart on like rural communities who are really uh wanting to scale or move towards innovation but maybe having trouble with old structures and things like that um i'm just how would you rethink that yeah so, so it's interesting. Another, another concept of, of that Jim Collins talks about is, is, is having confidence that you're ultimately going to prevail. Right. And I, I think oftentimes in, in communities that have had, you know, difficulties, you know, large employers that have closed, you know, you, you take outside external circumstance, which is unfortunate, uh, and change in that environment. And, and unfortunately, sometimes you can internalize that and say, you know, we're, we're just never going to be able to, to, to improve our, our position, um, as a community. And I, I just think there, there, if you're innovative, if you're always thinking about, uh, changes as opportunities and that you have that confidence that you're going to prevail ultimately, right. And that informs, you know, not only business leaders, but, but the, the, the local, um, local government educational systems, um, that, that the lack of confidence can be the biggest obstacle to innovation. And so it just starts with said, you know, we, we may not know how we're going to make this better. We, we, we may have had, you know, a, a rough hand dealt to us for a long time, but we can make this better. 
and, and getting that vision out there and, and expressing confidence in the community, I think is an important first step. I love that. Um, cool, man. This is a great interview. Thank you. First of all, 